Welcome to the Proper Lookout Podcast, published by the Statutory Insurance Group of McCabe Kerwood. In this series, our CTP experts will discuss a range of topics, sharing their thoughts on an industry trend or an intriguing legal issue, explaining the intricacies of an important case, and hopefully imparting some of the knowledge that they have gained. Hello there, this is Peter Hunt. In recent times, we've received some questions regarding the status of liability decisions in the common law field now that common law claims are upon us. The specific question is whether when an insurer makes a liability decision in the stat benefits arena, whether that is binding on the insurer when it comes to common law damages. So why is this important? Well, the starting point is section 6.14 of Maya, which says, a claim for damages cannot be made before the expiration of 20 months after the motor accident to which the claim relates unless the claim is in respect of the death of a person or injuries resulting in a degree of permanent impairment of the injured person that is greater than 10%. So what does that all mean? Well, if the claimant is over 10%, they can make a common law claim at any time. If they're under 10%, though, they have to wait for 20 months before making a common law claim. Now, since Maya commenced on 1 December 2017, that 20-month preclusion period has become a point of interest because it expires on 1 August this year, so several weeks ago. In other words, if a motor accident occurred on 1 December 2017, that person can make a common law claim on 1 August 2019. So the issue of common law claim procedure is now in stark relief and it's become an important issue in the industry. So the question is, if an insurer has made a determination on liability in the stat benefits claim arising from that accident, whether they're bound by that decision when it comes to the common law claim. So the starting point in that question is to look at section 6.19, which is the procedure when it comes to stat benefits claims. Subsection 1 provides that the insurer must, within four weeks after a claim makes a claim for stat benefits, Give the claimant notice in accordance with the motor accident guidelines stating whether or not the insurer accepts liability for the payment of stat benefits during the first 26 weeks after the time of the motor accident concerned. In other words, within four weeks, the insurer has to decide whether they are liable to pay um, stat benefits for that first 26-week period. Then, subsection 2 provides an insurer must, within three months after a claimant makes a claim for stat benefits, Give the claimant notice in accordance with the motor accident guidelines, stating whether or not the insurer accepts liability for the payment of stat benefits after the first 26 weeks after the time of the motor accident concerned. So subsection 2 is dealing with the period beyond the first 26 weeks, and the insurer has to give notice within three months of the accident regarding that liability. Importantly, that section 6.192 notice is dealing with the insurer's liability for payments for stat benefit payments beyond 26 weeks. It has nothing to do with common law payments or common law liability. Foreshadowing what's going to come next, subsection 6.195 provides an insurer is not prevented from accepting liability for stat benefits after having denied that liability, and the acceptance of liability does not prevent the subsequent denial of liability. So there we have already an indication that an insurer's first notice 
under Section 6.192 regarding their liability beyond 26 weeks to make payments of statutory benefits can be changed either way. Either the insurer can first deny STAT benefits and then with more evidence decide that they want to accept liability or having accepted liability for STAT benefits beyond 26 weeks, the insurer can change their mind and deny liability for STAT benefits. So there's already an indication there, I think, that that section 6.192 notice has a limited purpose. It only covers the liability beyond 26 weeks to make payments of statutory benefits. The next thing to look at is section 6.20, which deals with the duty of an insurer with respect to admission of admission or denial of liability in claims for damages. So now we're into the common law section of the Act. And section 6.20 imposes on the insurer an obligation to, as expeditiously as possible, give notice to the claimant in accordance with the Motor Accident Guidelines as to whether the insurer admits or denies liability for the claim. The insurer must, in any event, give that notice within three months after the claim is made. Now, those words are very familiar. They're almost identical to Section 81 of MACA, and they impose a clear obligation on the insurer to make a determination of their liability for common law damages within three months of the claim being made. Now, importantly, given we're dealing with common law damages, the mostly at fault test, which is applicable to STAP benefit claims, is no longer applicable. Whether or not someone is mostly at fault has no bearing on a claimant's right to claim common law damages. So what the insurers must do is what they've been doing for the last 20 years under MACA. When they get a common law claim, they assess the liability evidence and either admit or deny primary fault or primary liability if we're talking about blameless accidents. And if primary liability is accepted, to then move on to the question of whether there should be any allegation of contributory negligence. I think the mindset which insurers need to adopt is to ignore the fact that there's been a stat benefits claim already made and reassess the evidence as it is presented to them at the time of the common law claim and make a fresh determination of liability based upon the evidence available. Now, on the question at large of whether an insurer is strictly bound in the common law field by what they did in the stat benefits arena when it comes to liability. There is a section which deals with that specifically. It's section 3.44. Subsection 1 provides that this section applies to a determination made by an insurer or the dispute resolution service in connection with a claim for stat benefits as to a. any fault of the owner or driver in the use or operation of the motor vehicle or b. contributory negligence in relation to the motor accident, or any other matter prescribed by the regulations. Subsection 2 then goes on to say that any such determination, that is those listed in subsection 1, is not binding, I repeat that, not binding, in connection with a claim for damages in relation to the same motor accident. So there it is, in black and white, very clear, that if an insurer makes a determination about liability, when dealing with a stat benefits claim, they are not bound by that determination when dealing with the the subsequent common law claim in the same accident. And importantly, it also flows to any determinations made by DRS. So, for example, if there was a mostly at fault dispute 
which went to DRS for resolution. And for example, if DRS said that the injured person was not mostly at fault, that determination is not binding and has no relevance when it comes to a common law claim. So more specifically, if the DRS assessor actually nominates a percentage of contribneg, that percentage even is not binding when it comes to the common law claim. The insurer can allege a higher or perhaps a lower um, assessment of contribneg when making their 6.20 notice. So there is potential for the same issue to, or the same similar issue at least, to be dealt with twice by DRS, once in the stat benefits arena when dealing with the insurer's liability for stat benefits beyond 26 weeks, and again when it comes to the common law claim, noting that DRS has jurisdiction to assess all liability disputes in common law claims. But the focus is somewhat different. In the DRS assessment relating to the stat benefits claim, it's all about above or below 61%, whereas of course in the common law claim, there's first a determination of whether the insured person was at fault, and if they were, or if it's a blameless accident, or indeed a no-fault accident under the current scheme, then the focus turns on to an actual specific percentage of contrib-neg. So I hope that makes sense. So in general terms, what happens in stat benefits stays in, in stat benefits when it comes to issues of liability and contributory negligence. That is not the same, I don't think, when it comes to the minor injury test. As you know, an injured person who suffers minor injuries is not entitled to claim common law damages. The same applies to their entitlement to stat benefits beyond 26 weeks. So if a minor injury dispute goes to DRS in the stat benefits arena and the assessor finds a minor injury and the injured person's stat benefits are cut off after the first 26 weeks, what happens when it comes to the common law claim? In my view, unless there's been a further determination either by the insurer or a further assessment by DRS, that original DRS decision is still valid when it comes to whether or not the injured person can make a common law claim. But there are exceptions. So if DRS determines in the stat benefits arena that the claimant suffers minor injuries, when the common law claim is made, there may be new evidence available which convinces the insurer that the injured person has suffered more than minor injuries and can make a common law claim, or that dispute may go to a further assessment at DRS. So whilst the original DRS assessment of minor injury in the stat benefits claim is relevant, it can be revisited, I think, in the common law arena. So there we have it. I hope that makes sense. The broad answer to the question is no. When assessing liability in a common law claim, an insurer is not bound by their position in the stat benefits claim. If you have any other burning questions which you want us to address on this podcast series, we'd love to hear from you. And I have very exciting news to in closing. That is that um, all going to plan in our next episode, which I think is episode number 53 of the Proper Look Up podcast, we will have our very first guest speaker, our first guest podcaster. So stay tuned for that. I'm going to keep you guessing as to who that guest may be. In the meantime, thanks for listening, and I wish you all the best. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Proper Lookout Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. 
For more information on anything discussed, please contact Peter Hunt at peter.hunt at or visit our website to see McCabe Kerwood's full team of specialists.